0: Welcome everyone to this week's episode of Extreming Disney, the podcast focused on all things Disney+. Again, I am your host, Peter Eklund, and on this week's show, I get to welcome two of my really good friends, Tyler and Abby, to get classy with me as we break down an early Disney masterpiece, Fantasia. I hope you guys are all having a great summer and you're staying cool as things are definitely heated up around where we are right now. But I wanted to take a minute before we head into the actual conversation this week to ask a quick favor of you. Yes, this is where I ask you to leave a review for the show. At this point, I have received zero reviews that have been submitted for Apple Podcasts. And I, I need to ask, if, if you've been someone who has been listening to this podcast for a few episodes now, I would like you to pause this for just two minutes. Leave a, a couple sentences and a star rating because this will help me find more listeners. Only pop uh, popular reviewed podcasts will be at the top of the search engines if someone's looking for a show like this. And at this point, Extremely Disney doesn't even show up. So please take a couple minutes and help out the show. Okay, with all that, I'm going to stop badgering you guys. Let's get on to this conversation surrounding music and art together as we review Fantasia. Okay, so as I mentioned last week, my guest tonight is Tyler and Abby Merrill, and I'm really excited to have them both come on as we talk about Fantasia. Thanks, guys, for coming on to the show. Yeah, this is fun.
1: Thanks for having me again, PP.
0: That's right. So if, if you remember back to episode one of the podcast, Tyler was my very first guest, and we talked about Onward, um, the, the latest movie from Disney Pixar. Um, This is way back when coronavirus was just starting out, and we were really early into quarantine, and a lot has happened since, Um, but I think I'll let you guys talk about that. Um, Tyler or Abby, catch us up. What's new?
1: Yeah, well, so uh, last time uh, we did our recording, uh, we didn't have a baby yet, and now... We totally do, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. unless
0: that's some kind of creature in your arm that's like a a fawn of some sort. Yes,
1: no, no, not a fawn, definitely a human, (laughs) human, our spawn, not a fawn. Yeah, so we have baby Django, and he's just about two months old now, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's currently a feisty monkey, uh, so if you hear him making noise, it's because he's excited. Or hard to please but he's been really good and really healthy mm-hmm. Abby's been really good and healthy it's been really interesting to kind of learn the ropes of parenting and try to figure out what a baby wants with only crying as a prompt so, <laughs> it's been, so what do you think Abby?
2: I think it's fun yeah. and uh, he definitely enjoyed watching Fantasia with us so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did he respond negatively to any of the We'll Um, get his review
1: okay so i mean there are some things he definitely slept through and there is definitely (laughs) some things that woke him up spontaneously (laughs) which i was like no no and And we'll we'll, i'll I'll tell you at the parts when we get when we get to him but uh (laughs) yeah but it seemed like for the most part he would sleep and then he'd wake up and he'd be like listening and looking at the tv and the direction of the tv and like huh what's going on over there? They seemed like he was having a good time. Okay. How is he responding
0: to music? Because Fantasia is, like, all about the music.
1: Sure. Um, I don't know. I don't know that he's really, like... I don't know. So, I... When he's having a hard time at nighttime, um, I sing to him a lot. Um, And I sing to him a lot of, like... 2003 emo alternative music oh, <laughs> does acapella and he falls right asleep so um, I think music generally like brings him like calm and peace um, but I think when he was listening to Fantasia there were times where it did not bring him <laughs> peace at all which is different it was really cool to see him respond in different ways but, but I don't know if he's really had any other responses otherwise what do you think him?
2: I think he likes music in general. He yeah. definitely doesn't like the quiet, so he's learning which types true. of noises mm. he appreciates. <laughs>
0: That's interesting. That's true. <clears throat> um, so, anything else that you guys w- want to talk about as far as things that are new c- during Corona? Anything you've been watching? Anything you've been doing? Um,
2: other than taking care of this little thing <laughs> over here? Yeah. Um, That's been pretty much a whole life. <laughs> he's very uh, time absorbent. <laughs> true.
1: But I feel like there are some moments where we do get like a quick chance. I've been, I'm like really big into like painting Dungeons and Dragons miniatures, um, which is a really relaxing thing. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been doing that quite a bit. I'm okay. finally back to work, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. So now I'm I'm going to work, and Abby's been watching Django while she's on her maternity leave and stuff. Um, but in terms of watching, I've been watching a lot of, uh, like doesn't matter, doesn't have to be Disney Plus. right? No, absolutely. Um, I've been watching Card Captors yes. on Netflix, which. It's so bizarre <laughs> and uh and it's it's fun to watch it in its entirety and you know, I've been normally just watching it when Django is up late and I'm trying to get him to sleep, Card Captors is our like, you know, try We're to go back to sleep show, so
0: <clears throat> Abby, you loving Card Captors?
2: Nope. <laughs> I've been watching Fear the Walking Dead, which is twice as terrifying during coronavirus. Oh, of course, <laughs> no kidding. Yes. It starts out in a very similar fashion. Oh man!
0: Yeah, don't don't watch that and The Handmaid's Tale around this time. <laughs> Doing double features back to back, it must be really disconcerting. But, all right, well, you know, honestly, we got, we got quite a bit to talk about with Fantasia. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a little bit of a write-up here, and then I'll kind of turn over to you guys, since you guys, ter- you know, you're the ones who picked what we were going to talk about. I want to hear why you guys picked this movie as the guest stars for this week. So just a few things I wanted to say. Fantasia is the third full-length animated movie from the Walt Disney Company. It is named after the groundbreaking sound system that was used to record the soundtrack called Fantasound. It came out at the start of World War II in 1940, and that is 80 years ago. It's celebrating its 80-year anniversary this year. It won two honorary Oscars for its achievement in creation of a new form of visualization with music, and as well as its advancement for using sound in movies. It is the longest animated movie, clocking in at just over two hours long. It is the 23rd highest grossing movie of all time, but it didn't get to see that profit at the time when it came out due to World War II. It is made up of eight different animated segments, all set to classical, classical music, and it's brought to us by the Philadelphia Orchestra, composed by Leopold... Oh gosh, all these names are going to be tough. Stokowski... And hosted by music critic and composer Deems Taylor. Okay, so after that little background, <laughs> um, I want to hear from you two. Give me your general general thoughts and why did you pick Fantasia to be the movie that we would cover for the podcast
1: yes. this week? So, because um, I know you had asked, you wanted to do one with both Abby and I. And I'm like, you know, so Abby is this incredibly talented artist, like seems like no matter what medium she uses, she's like good with painting and drawing and, you know, ceramics and all that type of stuff. And me, I'm the musician. Um, and, you know, I generally have an appreciation for all different genres. And so it just seemed natural that this was like the marriage of like art and music together. And so Abby would, I thought Abby would have some really cool perspectives as an artist and, uh, me also as a musician and, uh, you know, and I think we also have different appreciations too. I I love art because I'm terrible at it. And mm. so I just, am, I feel like I'm really easily impressed. Mm. And I'm always even more impressed when Abby talks about like the processes of which these works are done and just blows my mind. And I think I would say vice versa. Yeah. Too.
2: I'm always impressed by music knowing that I am not capable <laughs> of producing any of it. <laughs> play a
1: mean drum kit. Don't,
0: don't oh, put yes. yourself down. <laughs> Okay, yeah, so this is like a like you said, a marriage between you two, the art and the music, and that's really what Fantasia is. So let's let's do this. What I wanna do is I want us to break down and go through each segment pretty much. And then um as we go through, we'll kind of give our rankings and we'll kind of put them on our own personal ranking list of where we would place it, um, for each of us. So as we kinda of go through the movie, we'll put each of these segments into that, and then we will figure out the podcast's official list of the ranking of the uh, the segments of Fantasia. Cool. Using the the three of us. Sound good? Yes, definitely. <clears throat> okay, so what I'd like to do. Let me first ask you guys this: mm-hmm. um, Is this movie for kids?
1: <laughs> that oh, that's a really good question because as we were watching it, there are a ton of times where I'm like, ooh especially especially towards the end. Um, I mean, I would, I would uh, have parents use their own discretion and watch it first before they decide if they want to let their kids watch it because there's some scary imagery. Um, and uh, I, I know I watched it when I was a little kid and it didn't really disturb me so much, but I know of other people and other kids who have been scared by some of the images that they see. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's definitely, I almost want to say it's like a, like a PG-13 kind of thing. Yeah,
0: it's, it's weird. Um, I don't know, Abby, you go ahead.
3: I honestly wasn't allowed to watch this as a kid, and I held a lot of resentment for that for a long time until I saw it as an adult and then realized, (laughs) yeah, I'm not sure if I'm gonna let my kid watch this until he's, you know, getting up there a little bit and can understand what's happening in some of these, because... The music combined with the artwork in some of them can be pretty creepy and yeah. kind of yeah. nightmarish.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, re- I remember when I was a kid, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, sweet, Disney. It was like in my aunt's cupboard. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, let me put this on. And I was just like, first of all, as a kid, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. Because I was just like, where's the story? Where are the characters? Right, yeah. Where's the dialogue? Mm-hmm. You know? And then there were parts where I think after the hippos and the crocodiles, mm-hmm. I turned it off. I think maybe my parents wanted me to turn it off. My mom, maybe, or somebody, or my aunt, grandmother, wanted me to turn it off at that point. And I remember when I first saw that last segment, and we'll get to that, I was, like, terrified as a kid. Okay, so um, anything you guys want to say just apart from the segments? Like, we have the the musicians that we see there, and the host, and the orchestra. And um, one thing that I found out is that Though the recording is the Philadelphia Orchestra, the, the, the musicians that we see throughout the, the movie are actually just, they're not those musicians. They're, they're
1: just standards. I see. That so. makes, I mean, that makes sense. I'm sure they didn't have the tech to just record them right then and there, I'm sure.
3: Yeah. And in general, about the whole movie, I did some research on how um, the animations were created and things like that. Because back in the nineteen forties, they had a lot less technology than we do nowadays, and it's really fascinating to learn that um, just the amount of work that went into a fil- like a whole film feature this length. Yeah. So just as like a quick snippet of it, um, most of the eight segments have a background painting that, for the most part, doesn't move, mm-hmm. um, and even just the painting itself is magnificent. Would have taken me, you know, and couple weeks. (laughs) And uh, then on top of the painting, which does occasionally twist and turn throughout the segment, um, each character that is moving on the painting is a totally separate piece where um, each character usually has about 24 cells per second to make it look like it's moving in animation, um, meaning that there were 24 pictures drawn every second that you're watching on (laughs) the screen. So, 24 pictures drawn, and then those pictures were all painted onto a transparent film and kind of moved around on the painting, Mm -hmm. so it looked like they were moving across the painting, which is really fascinating. Each cell, so I was saying there's about 24 cells per second. Each cell, just to draw one cell takes about three hours crazy so I was just in awe of how many people it took to make this picture in general they wrote down just about a thousand artists were used and then they used up their entire budget to make this movie which it yeah. came out amazing so yeah I'm glad we're still watching it today yeah. <clears throat> all right um any other thoughts
0: kind of about the the music at the star the musicians TT
1: um, I mean, I always, I always loved when I was a kid, like, seeing the long shadows of, like, people entering the stage, and they do this fun thing where they light up the instruments as people are playing them. Mm. That always caught my eye as a kid, because, I mean, if a kid is at any other concert like this, they'd be bored out of their mind. But, like, in a situation like this, it's a little bit more interesting because of the changing of the lighting, and, it's, I don't know, it just seems more, more attractive to the eye. And I always remembered that when I was a kid.
0: Well, let's let's get into it. You were kind of going into it a little bit here, TT, when the first piece, um, Toccata and Fugue. Fugue in D Minor by Bach. Yes. Um, do you want to? Maybe what we can do is each just go around as we hit each segment, just kind of say our piece. Yeah. Do you want to start us off?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I I um, had a great time looking up just like the hist- like a small little blip of the history of like each of these pieces. Um, and so with this particular one, um, they, first of all, they were, weren't entirely sure when this piece was written, just because, um, uh, I mean, they, they I think the only reason this piece even exists is because there's some random copy just found, just one random copy found of this that was copied by one of um, Bach's students. And so mm-hmm. this piece almost, which uh, is one of his most famous pieces, almost never even got heard after you know after i don't know 50 years after he died or something um and so they they're guessing maybe around like 1704 perhaps Mm -hmm. when he was like a teenager which is mind-blowing um but uh this piece was originally written for the organ actually and nowadays it's been rearranged for orchestras and pianos and all different types of arrangements but um but as far as the the um music goes it's very uh and for people who uh might not understand takata and fugue by its name um at least the part of but da, already you're like thinking of like dracula yeah. and like all that type of stuff um
0: you're going to be doing that a lot during this podcast just so you know a lot of the we're
1: going to have to be reminded I'll, I'll scat every piece <laughs> in its entirety i'm sorry and not sorry everyone um, but it's really fun. It's really fast. And it's also, because it's in my, on a minor key, very dark sounding. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also a really challenging piece to play, too. Uh, just for any of it, uh, a virtuoso. So it's a really tricky piece to play. Um, but, yeah. I definitely like this song. Personally, I, lo- I like this song a whole lot. And I really wish I could play it well. <laughs> but mm-hmm. someday. But.
3: Yeah. I thought this one was interesting, um, especially because... My first instinct was correct that abstract art was not popular at the time that this movie came out. So, like, just random shapes and colors Mm -hmm. and things moving across the screen was a really risky move by Disney to, number one, do it at all. And hope that people would pay to watch their movie. And then, number two, they made it the first thing yeah, in the movie. <laughs>
0: right. That was the thing that got me. Go on, keep going, keep going.
3: I mean, I like to give credit where credit is due. Um, so, the main artist that they used uh, when they were making that part was Oscar Fishinger, um, who I was trying to do a little bit of research on. But it's a lot of his artwork that came up during that cool piece in mm-hmm. general. Um, and it ended up getting really awesome reviews, which made abstract art in general come around, you know, just throughout the century there. It
0: kind of popularized it. Mm -hmm. That's really
3: cool. Which a lot of people, you know, I still understand people who say, you know, a red square on a white canvas isn't art. And to some people it's not, and to some people it is, and I'm not here to argue with you. So, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just interesting how Disney took that and made people understand what a new phenomenon was happening.
0: Yeah, I think with this one, if you if you have different kind of expectations going into it, you're going to be a little disappointed. If you're looking for something that's going to be more of a narrative, um you're going to be kind of like, "Okay, so what is going on?" You know, I think a kid, you sit him down and you watch it with them, depending on their age and de- depending on what their where their appreciations are, they kind of be like, "Can we just put on <laughs> Pocahontas again? I don't know, something sure. something else, you yeah. know." <clears throat> but I think what's interesting is how it transitioned into being more and more abstract as right. it went on. Cause it used a lot of like when the violins are going, you know, you can see the bows mm-hmm. kind of these art, like, they're kind of like, like fish kind of swimming around or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then when you, and you have the different strings and then when it was like the bass that was playing, you know, it mm-hmm. was the, the strings were wider, they were bigger, you know? So it was, And then, like, it just kind of becomes more and more abstract.
3: It goes from, like, a thunderstorm to an ocean and then just to color and shapes that you have no idea how to put them together, but you're still watching. Yeah. And you're still fascinated. (laughs) Very cool.
1: Well, I think the... um, And I never paid much attention to this when I was a kid, but the introductions that... that, um, Whatever, the stage master... Um, Deems Taylor. Deems Taylor. He always gives a little blip about about what the reasoning behind it and the whole reasoning behind all the abstract stuff is what you might visualize while you're listening to Takata and Fugue.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and so, you know, they, they even makes a point that you might be originally just thinking about, like, oh, how the instruments themselves are moving and, um, and then as you kind of lose track of, you know, what's physical and tangible, you really start getting more lost into the actual music itself and what that looks like in your brain. Um, which is really cool because it's different for everybody. And I like that. I like Mm -hmm. that some people, you know, some people do think of music um, maybe for me because I I know I work on stringed instruments. So I'm very much like just thinking about like physically, what are they doing? And I'm always interested in that. And Abby, I'm pretty sure she's seeing fireworks in in her Mm -hmm. mind or like, you know, those cool little mountains rolling back and forth um, Mm -hmm. instead. And uh, I thought that was really cool. To pay attention to as an adult mm-hmm. I don't think a kid will really appreciate that um, to, I, I don't know how difficult it is I mean you already explained how hard it was and all the time and work just to do the drawings themselves but to time it to music and to have it timed mm-hmm. perfectly to the music like Very every hard. every note every yeah. note every beat is always timed to something and I never I was trying to be really critical to, to see if there was like nah, how quiet. tight it or loose and it is and it was so tight and so, like, that kind of mastery of um, marrying our art to the music in such a stage where things were so new is incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super mind-blowing, I thought.
0: And off of that, let me, because I, that's where I noticed that the most is in the Nutcracker Suite, mm-hmm. which is the second segment. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of my favorites in this whole movie. Mm-hmm. Because, and you, and you see as the fairies are going around and they just tap their feet on a flower or they hit their wand on a different thing on, on the beat of a note. Mm-hmm. And I'm like it's it, that's where it's so tight, yeah, and that's where that's where I love it so much i think I think this is the most beautiful this is probably i'm gonna you know spoil a little bit this is probably on the top of my list of all the segments I know <laughs> um <coughs> I love the fairies, I love the winter fairies, mm-hmm. mostly with um the ice skating and just that that movement of the nutcracker I think is is one of my favorite pieces yeah mm-hmm. you know so la, da, 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 da. that part when they're they're ice skating around i think is awesome um but then and then how it climaxes and the the, the fairies are kind of the dancers and they're spinning around coming down in the snow mm-hmm. i i thought it was just great there there is some problems with this piece you know primarily in the mushrooms
3: mushrooms they're a little the culturally problem? a little
0: culturally insensitive oh, a little bit that's fair
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but they are extremely cute you know i never even thought about it in a you that's know i just true, i, I just always only thought of them as i didn't look cause huh. i guess i saw as a kid i always would say yeah mushrooms nothing more to look into there but yeah i guess i could see it yeah if
0: they just changed
1: their eyes a little bit, you know what I mean?
0: That's a good point. They they would not, it wouldn't be as insensitive, it wouldn't be, you know, like, oh, this is clearly what they're doing, but I think the the little one is the cutest as he's kind of (laughs) going through. And then, you know, to a lesser extent, as far as um, insensitivities go, the Russian dancing flowers, I thought are always cool, with the... Well, and that's
1: the part that woke Django up. Ah. Because it goes to this very beautiful stillness, and then all of a sudden...
2: And G was like, Ugh. all his all, all his limbs just flail. And I look over
1: and slow mo. I'm like, no. <laughs> um, but I don't think he actually like stirred. You know, he didn't go. Eh,
3: eh, eh, eh. He's just like, go. Oh, what the? Wow. Oh, oh.
1: Wow. Okay,
3: back to sleep for me. Well, something that I did find super super cool uh, was so it's called the Nutcracker sweet mm-hmm. but the whole artistry behind it is based on nature they tried to take it away from the play the nutcracker right um but they did want to pay some homage to the play so the actual fairies in the clip are dancing to the specific songs and the specific dances that are in the nutcracker okay so the russian dance and the chinese dance and the, the sugar plum fairy dance and the arabian dance so now that I think about it, I wonder if the mushrooms were part oh, of the Chinese dance. Not trying to be... They yet. weren't necessarily thinking about it as being culturally insensitive. They were trying to do the best yeah. they could, but at the time it didn't quite make it to par.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Because I'm, I'm trying to go back to remembering the Nutcracker, like the ballet itself, and remember because Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies, it was the kind of thing where like this group would come out and then this yeah. group would come out in the same way. And I can't remember... Like I think one of them's like we're the chocolate dance, you know, yeah. something like that, you know. Yeah. And that's unless true.
3: you're an actual ballerina, I feel like we wouldn't necessarily pick up on which moves are part of which dance. Right. But I just think it's really cool that they actually made the little animations follow the exact like footsteps of the mm-hmm. ballerinas, which is pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel like with each one of these, the artists set out to do something really hard, like that, like what you were saying. Because it seems like because this this seems like this this display of Something that no one's really doing and people know is really, really difficult. And, you know, average viewers are like me, I'm just like, Oh yeah, dancing fairies. And again, now mind blown. Yeah. That yeah. like mm-hmm. on purpose are doing the very same dances. That's really, really cool.
0: Um, T D, do you have anything else to say about the Nutcracker Suite?
1: Uh yes, yeah, so um it's my understanding that and I think they mentioned this in uh in Fantasia, is that um oh us it Peter Tchaikovsky Ch- uh, Ch- or Tchaikovsky. Yeah, sorry for butchering these. I like music, but I am definitely not a classical musical buff. I understand that this wasn't his favorite piece he ever did. No, um, and actually, um, its original debut, um, the ballet itself was not that successful, um, but the music, uh, but the music was, is my understanding, um, and that I guess like the dancing. Like, on the, the premiere, like, the dancing, like, wasn't great. A lot of critics thought, like, the dancing was really confusing and hard to follow. And mm-hmm. really busy. There was way too many people on stage, but people were like, but the music, though. Mm, yeah, right. the music's great. So, I probably wanted to let the music probably saved the show to give it, to let it continue to be what it is, popular as it is today. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I think one thing that really helps with the popularity of it is it being centered around the ballet is centered around Christmas. Hmm. So it already has that going for them. So many people are like more with Christmas. Okay. You know? And so this, I mean, this music as I hear is synonymous with Christmas time for me. For sure.
1: I was reading somewhere that this song is, uh, I'm sorry, this whole suite is like 40% of what uh, the income of like ballet companies uh, in North America, (laughs) like 40% comes from this. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Around Christmas time. It's so crazy.
0: All right, well, let's let's do this. Um, Between the two that we've done, Mm -hmm. which one do you prefer?
3: I'd say the Nutcracker, but honestly, these are two of my almost favorites. (laughs) But Nutcracker, definitely.
1: Uh, Yeah, this one's a tough call because I like Takata and Fugue as a piece specifically. Um, and I'd have to say, I think that was probably my favorite of the two, which, again, it's a close call. It's a close call for me, too.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm Nutcracker is definitely high on my list. So I'm going to put that there. That could change, okay. depending on our conversation. And honestly, just because there's not as much going on, um, Takata and Fugue and D minor falls much lower on the list for me. So I might offset your guys' ranking when it comes <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> comes time for the, the official, the official um, <laughs> list uh, for the podcast. All right, let's do this. Let's move on to the third one, The Sorcerer's Apprentice. This is probably the most famous mm-hmm. out of all the segments from Fantasia. For sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Abby, do you want to kind of give your thoughts on this?
3: I mean, so this one, it wasn't anything new for Mickey Mouse fans because it was just a continuation of the Mickey Mouse the- uh, series. But realistically, from what I read, the majority of Fantasia was just supposed to be about this short. Yeah. And they spent most of their budget making the short. And then realized that they kind of wanted to make a longer film, so they added on the other parts, which I think they complement each other nicely. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a great job in the animation, and that's just a classic from, you know, most kids remember that one the most, because yeah. it has a character and a storyline to it. Um. And that's what you yeah.
0: picture as you see Mickey with his robe and the hat uh-huh, on yeah. and he's, uh-huh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's what everybody <laughs> pictures, you know, when it comes to Fantasia yeah. and honestly, probably Mickey Mouse. This is probably the most iconic visualization of Mickey mm-hmm. that, yeah. that, that are in people's minds, you know?
3: So at this point, they were just talking about how they didn't really have a personality yet for Mickey Mouse. When they were trying to draw him, they didn't quite know what facial expressions to use and what, mm. you know, what types of things. So they based it off of Walt Disney. <laughs> yeah. And they, they didn't even tell him until it was over that they, you know, some of like the eyebrow <laughs> raises and things like that. that okay. they kind of based it off of him That's so as funny. his goofy character when he was walking around the set and things like that. Just when they had a gap and they didn't know what a human would do, they would watch him. <laughs> <And> his reactions <laughs> so to
0: responses.
1: like, hmm, I like this, but I don't know why.
3: And then the, the one tip of the hat that they did to him at the end was that when the sorcerer himself at the end kind of catches Mickey and he's in trouble, and then he kind of you know, lets it go and raises his eyebrow. They said that exact face, they literally drew that to look like Walt um. Disney's face just as a <laughs> homage to the person who made this possible. Dang. Well, also
0: with that, do you know the name of the magician or the sorcerer?
2: No. No.
3: Nope.
0: His name is Yen Sid, hmm. which is Disney backwards. Oh, creepy. So um, and so there's, <laughs> there's inspiration that they took from Walt and how, like, his presence in the mm-hmm. studio that they kind of attributed to this character of Yensid Sid as well.
1: <laughs> That's crazy.
3: Very cool. So both the sorcerer and Mickey are based off of him in different lights. That's really fun. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's, so one, one thing I also think is kind of interesting in this, that this, this portion or this segment is different than anything else is um, the music came later. They said that they had the story and the animation first, and then they came up with the music So for the movie. So it wasn't the opposite, where you had a composer who wrote something, and then this came up. This is one of the things that the narrator said. So I thought that was kind of cool. I thought that was
1: interesting. And that is really interesting. And that just reminds me of, like, because there's a lot of ways you can write music. Um, when I When I used to first write, I would write music first and add lyrics later to just make it work. And then later on I'd write words first and then do music afterwards. So it's really interesting to, it seems like with a lot of these pieces, the music was there first mm-hmm. and then this is the opposite. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool.
0: Um. Anything else you guys want to talk about with The Sorcerer's
1: Apprentice? Uh, no, not me.
3: It's really well done. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of the highlight of the movie, but it, you know, there's not a whole lot to say because it's just great. Yeah. <laughs> right
0: well then um let's let's put it on our list um oh tyler you had um i didn't write that down hold on you had nut below nutcracker below that one that's right okay
1: so where would you where would you put the sorcerer's apprentice Mm. okay so i would probably have to put this one uh, just one notch below um the nutcracker i would say it's it's classic but it's not my absolute favorite
2: okay and abby i'm gonna say put it down below mine too
0: So in between uh, Nutcracker and...
2: No, below both. Okay. Just from an artistic perspective, they did a fantastic job, but I have reasons to appreciate the other ones.
0: Yeah, I think this is so iconic Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is a little bit higher on my, probably on my list. Um, It's below Nutcracker, but um, above the first piece. And um, I think just the imagery of even Mickey as he's on that little mountaintop when he's dreaming and he's, the stars are moving, like... They utilize that so much, even it's like Disney World and a couple rides and whatnots. When there's ever kind of a montage for Disney, they always use that. They're, it's probably one of the most iconic pieces for sure. Um, that's out there. All right, so let's get on to the next one, "Rite of Spring." Um, this is an it, it expresses primitive life. It is um, it's all about dinosaurs and evolution and. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense mm-hmm. at times, mm-hmm. um, but let's let's get into it. Who wants to kick us off?
1: Me, do so, it. So before we even start, please put that at the very top of my list. I Ooh. <laughs> that's, without I've been waiting to say that that's my number one. Yeah, that was always my favorite as a kid. Okay, it's dinosaurs. Yeah, and like I don't know. I feel like you know we had I had the land before time, um, but. Land Before Time, they though Django is not proud of my choice. I'm sorry, Bubby. He didn't you.
2: like the
0: dinosaurs. He
1: did not like the dinosaurs. <laughs> They're
2: terrifying, at but place. but <laughs>
1: that's why because they were cool. Like I loved as a kid seeing the underwater stuff. I didn't understand what I was seeing at the time, but like I just loved seeing the monsters. I thought the monsters were really cool. I loved the. Um, I wasn't scared of like the lava um, mm. that was just like flowing and bursting out of everything and just flowing down and. Um, earthquakes happening. It was just so cool to watch. I love the art of uh, of all of it. And just the balance of, there's some sections that were just, it was just chaos. It was yeah. a time, it was just, uh, even I think, uh, what's his name, G- uh, Taylor Deems? Deems Taylor? Yeah. James Taylor?
0: team Deems Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> James Taylor. <laughs>
1: um, was saying, basically just using the words horrors and nightmarish yeah. for this uh for this, and I, I would have to agree, um, but I, I just, I always love the the artwork in it for sure, because hmm. um, I like meet some monsters.
0: Yeah, I, I think, um, I like how it utilizes horns so much more in sure. this piece than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, when the volcanoes are going and the dinosaurs are fighting, and there are some, there are some things there that I really liked, and it was just menacing. It was dark. It was bleak.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it was, it was interesting. I. I found it to be a little too long, but that's obviously due to the, well, the piece of music. Co- and they had a lot you know, to cover too, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I think the fight is awesome mm-hmm. between the T-Rex and the Stegosaurus. Um, but it's probably kind of on the lower end of mine. Sure,
1: that's the, okay. I mean, our friendship will end with this podcast, it sounds splendid. like. And that's okay.
0: <laughs> the- <laughs> Abby, what do you, what did you think?
3: I'm kind of with you, Peter, of, you know, I think it was very well done. And same as um the Sorcerer's Apprentice, like the animation was fantastic. And I think, you know, it says something that a lot of high school science students back, you know, in the 50s and 60s saw this clip as part of their like (laughs) schooling because not a whole lot of people had animated dinosaurs at that point right that's true you know they they were one of the first you know groups of people to make a clip that had pictures of dinosaurs you know then we don't have any actual pictures but this was the closest a lot of people had ever seen yeah so uh, for that i would give them a lot of credit but for someone like me who didn't see this until later in life, I've seen so many other dinosaur pictures before that, that it's not quite as amazing to me now not as groundbreaking. as it would have been if I had seen it back then, I think. Yeah. And I do give them a lot of credit, too. I was, again, looking at some of the techniques that they used to make this short And they threw in a lot of old-school photography techniques to make this one, which you can't take a picture of a dinosaur. So they didn't do that. (laughs) But towards the end, there's a lot of volcanoes and plumes of smoke and things. And they got really creative. Instead of trying to paint the smoke and the plumes realistically, they wanted to make it as real as possible. So some of the fun techniques they used were they got a tank of water and they dumped some ink and paint into it. And you can kind of imagine how ink it makes uh, plumes when it goes okay. down so they photographed it in slow mo turned it upside down and then used them as plumes of smoke that, that is awesome like, incredible isn't that, that's so awesome that's really cool
0: <laughs> man i'm learning so much <laughs> yeah. well,
1: and this this opens doors for being creative like yeah. this mm-hmm. is the whole thing where they were s- setting out not to do something easy but to do it because it's hard and to exercise their brains and creativity in different ways that's so awesome
3: wow yeah so they have a lot of small things like that that they used real photographs for just parts and pieces of this one which i give them a lot of credit for so
0: (laughs) dang well abby where would you want to put this on your ranking so far
2: probably at the bottom unfortunately i think it definitely gets
3: (laughs) okay so i give it credit because it did a lot of things that were the first of its time but since I saw it, you know, 60 years later, 80 years later, it's, <laughs> you know, I've seen these things before, but I'm yeah. realizing they were the first people to do them. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you. I'm with you on that one. Sorry, TT. No,
3: that's okay. Um,
0: So we're getting to the point, the halfway point of the, of the movie. This is where they have the segment they called intermission and meet <laughs> the soundtrack, yes. which is very, very small. Um, <laughs> and obviously Disney Plus, they cut down... The intermission. At one point, the the host goes, "We're going to take a fifteen minute break."
1: Well, what's funny is I don't remember in the because I have the VHS of this. I don't remember that actually being in the VHS tape. Okay. The like now for a fifteen minute break, like and I felt like but. Maybe it was added later for or or something. I'm but sure.
3: Well, I, just, I was reading a lot that they made different versions of this. Yeah. And They cut it down from mm-hmm. uh, several hours to 80 minutes at one point because mm-hmm. they thought it would sell better. Mm-hmm. So we maybe uh, different VHSs had different versions. Yeah. Probably.
0: Because that was also a common thing when you had a movie that was long during the 40s. You know, there they would have an intermission built in. So that was common as far as film in general yeah. around that time. I remember Gone with the Wind had a big intermission mm-hmm. scene and you would ha- had the tree and the house and whatnot and everyone would have the timer going down. Um, but yeah, this is this is a little bit different. So we got a little short segment. I think the the little jazz improv at the beginning I thought was really cool because jazz was big during right. that time, during that era. So yeah, and then they kind of do this thing with the line coming out and it's like, let's see how music looks as far as I don't know how it sounds and how it yeah, like the, I like the waves the... and whatnot and they take some liberty with that to animate it and make it a little bit more fun
1: for sure but. like especially with like the bassoon which I always cackled at with a kid because you know they each of the I, they kind of look like transients like waveforms that you'd see if you were doing like audio recording and again like you said like it's not entirely they did it to be a little more interesting to look at but with the bassoon, it would get so low, and it would look like a bunch of, like, smooshed hot dogs. Yeah. And it would go really low and just make fart sounds. And as a kid, I would always be like... (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. um, but, you know, I I always thought that that was kind of cool, and to see different... I felt like it kind of reminded me a little bit of back in the very beginning of the movie, where, again, they're trying to give visuals to something that doesn't really have visuals right. you know it's not really ta- a tangible thing so
0: what about you abby you have anything to say in regards to this part
2: i mean
1: it was just it, an intermission for you
0: just an intermission <laughs> i
2: think i actually did use it as an intermission I was <laughs> <the> bathroom. so <laughs> that makes sense
0: so yeah there's not much to say about this for me it's kind of going towards the bottom i'm putting it in between um gosh i have to keep looking at the name um, Toccata and on um, fugue, um, fugue, fugue, fugue. <laughs> Fug. Fug. um, I'm gonna put it in between that one and Rite of Spring. We're
1: very cultured.
0: Um, Abby, where would you put it? At the
2: bottom, the very bottom. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, and same for me too. It didn't make a huge impact. I mean, anyway, it was, but it was a nice, fun little recess, so to speak.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then, um, this is when we get to a day in the country with the pastoral symphony. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, this one is beautiful. Abby, why don't you talk to us about this one?
2: This one is beautiful and very strange.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I mean, it, it features a ton of centaurs, or
3: like the main characters, mm-hmm. um, which I did find it funny listening to some of the animators uh, cackle about no one knew how to draw a centaur, because it's not a it's not a real creature, it's mythical. There were only a few drawings of them at that point. And they didn't know exactly what how to make it child-esque <laughs> for mm. this movie. They were just told that this needs to feature centaurs and you need to draw them. Okay. <laughs> so... um a lot of the animators all drew the boy centaurs because drawing a boy without a shirt on is not a big deal. And then they all didn't know what to do when it got to the girl centaurs. <laughs> How to make yes. that PG rated. And <laughs> What do you draw and what do you not draw? <laughs> so I just thought that was funny listening to them laugh about their, you know. <laughs> and that goes all out the window later <laughs> <Yeah>. on. But... <laughs>
1: and I was, I was reading, to add on top of that, I was reading that originally the female centaurs were bare chests Oh, boy. and they were like hmm let's put some uh you know, <laughs> garlands over that and they're like really they're like yeah really some <laughs> of them don't though oh for sure yeah. some of them do not like when
0: they're they're bathing i think when i watched oh, it as oh, a the little DC. boy yeah
1: when i was watching this <laughs> as a little boy i was like
0: i can watch this you know? right. yeah. it's art it's art mom <laughs> right.
3: overall the you know the current clips that they're showing on Disney Plus I think is pretty great. It's a fun story and uh, if you can get past the bare-chested centaurs yeah, it's I'm, a great I'm all time. for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and there's also like little naked cupids and like you yeah. know there's nothing to see. You know, They you'll yeah. see their butts. but A lot like, of butts. A lot of, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of butts. And in the very end they do like the closed curtain thing with the Cupid bending over and it looks and then the it fades and it looks like a heart which like okay that's pretty cute but there's there's like a lot of really, babies
0: on the brain or something right, right <laughs> yeah
1: right well there's like a lot of really cute animals like the pegasus yeah the pe- pegasi sure yeah no exactly is pegasai i don't know but they're very cute animals and i, I always love the mm-hmm. the little quick story you know inserted there like the little um the black pegasus who was trying to learn how to fly, and the mother's trying to help him along, and I don't know, it was, that was all very, very cute. And yeah. well, there's little satyrs in there, too. The love stories, the cupids trying to get the, the centaurs to fall in love <laughs> together. And I love
0: that they're pretty much the same color. Oh, you so know you Abby know, and I, like, You're like, oh, <laughs> if you're
1: a blue centaur... You better find a blue centaur. <laughs> like, Centaurets, you that's, know, that's oh, that, that that what they call them. That's what they call them.
0: them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, one thing I thought was interesting was, you know, Zeus shows up. Yeah. And one thing I thought was cool is that this Zeus, he kind of, you can see where Hercules later on, I think they kind of modeled sure. him off of this mm-hmm. Zeus because they look pretty similar to each other. Yeah.
1: For sure. I'd say so, too.
0: You know, that, that was one thing I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, if we're talking about the whole Zeus thing, the lightning bolt thing always always cracked me up. One, because, like, he's just, Zeus is just messing around with, um, I don't I know his Bacchus. name. Bacchus. Yeah, the god of wine. And he's just, he is toasted, you know, because, <laughs> well, he is the god of wine, right. after all. But, you know, they're just throwing lightning bolts on him and causing him all sorts of mischief and but what always gets me is at the very end yes! he gets tired and so is just this. like uh nah uh i'm bored and he like just randomly kicks a lightning bolt over the edge and then he and wants goes his back yeah he goes to lay down he's like oh what oh. he turns he pulls a lightning bolt from behind his back and he just tosses it to the side carelessly just <laughs> like, like, and you hear
0: it crash yeah. like you know it's destroying something something <laughs>
1: something's dead because of because of that
0: yeah, I I always thought this was a um this is what I always remembered. Yeah. For different reasons, I yeah. think the Centaurettes were something that was always memorable for me <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> um, but then also everything with Bacchus, everything. I I when I was a kid, I used to love Greek mythology sure. mm-hmm. and the different characters and the stories, and so seeing that in this movie, I always thought it was was pretty cool. All right, well let's let's put it on the ranking, Abby. Where would you like to put this for
1: you?
2: I'm looking at my list. Um. <laughs> Definitely goes above the intermission. What was that one?
1: That's not great. That's last.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: you have Rite of Spring. Uh, with the dinosaurs. I
2: would put it right above Rite of Spring. Okay.
0: Titi? Uh, okay. Titi? I keep calling him TT in the recording, by the way, everyone. That's just our nickname for him. He's Tyler. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I call Peter P-P-O-I. I right. I probably should have. Yeah, explain that. Um, put that as my second, second favorite. Second favorite. Yeah, you know, I like right. that one a lot. I always had a lot of fun. And because, you know, I'm all about fantasy and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, currently right now this is my second favorite as well. Oh,
1: our friendship is restored. Woohoo! Good.
0: This is going to be interesting because yeah. I'm looking at where these are <laughs> landing for
1: the three of us. <laughs> everything is going to be the same. Like <laughs> it's a three, 3.5 across the board for everything
0: let's let's go on to the next one the dance of the hours which is very much a ballet
1: mm-hmm. um
0: what did, what did we feel about this one
1: so okay um story time for tyler i every time i would watch fantasia and i've watched this a couple times in my adulthood and every time when i got to this part i fell asleep mm. every time and so <laughs> when i ended up you know we'll talk about the night on bald mountain Uh, next I actually hadn't seen that segment of Fantasia since I was a kid okay so you know so this one I always fell asleep with I don't know it's just because I got bored or or what was but this was my fall asleep song Mm. or my fall asleep (laughs) part of Fantasia even as relaxing
0: yeah because I think it's it pretty much starts off with the Hello father, hello mother. Yeah, that, that, yeah, hello, mother hello father. <laughs>
1: hello sister. Hello brother. It's so funny. <laughs> I totally forgot.
0: <laughs> so that's that I think really harkens back to a lot of our childhoods, yeah, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: For sure. But um yeah, it's this is kind of a movement through the day, right. is what they say, is that it's kind of dawn and, and noon and evening and then going into night and each animal represents a different time of day. Um I think there are some really funny little bits within this. Sure. I think there are some really, like, just funny um, jokes. and, But I, I think it's the most cartoony.
1: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, you definitely know? the most kid-friendly, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, it kind of loses a little bit for me as the older I get. Because I feel like where some things were more groundbreaking, this was more to, like, entertain the kids. Sure. As they're seeing some pretty frightening and crazy Right things within this long movie right for Mm -hmm. sure
3: and yeah from the point of view of some of the animators they kept saying that this was initially supposed to be more of a joke which i didn't quite understand if it was something about the song that you know they wanted to kind of just put the hip dancing hippopotamuses how is that Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not a serious thing um but the more that they drew it and the more time they spent on it they realized how difficult it was to make a hippopotamus elegant and dancing (laughs) (laughs) and a crocodile and all these things so it ended up being the favorite for most of the animators because they Mm -hmm. spent so much time on it trying to make it as realistic as you possibly could yeah um, I mean, yeah. apart
0: from the Sorcerer's Apprentice, this is the most Disney yeah, I think out of all sure. of them. Yeah, you know,
1: well, when even when you're looking at the ostriches, I could see Donald Duck's face. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or Don, what's his? Yeah, girl? Yeah,
0: Donald Duck. Daisy yeah. Duck. Oh Daisy. Daisy! Yeah,
1: I could see da- like because the Daisy's eyes are definitely in those yeah. ostrich eyes for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and and you know, there's there's a lot of like fun kitty things that I enjoyed about it, like you know that classic Scooby Doo thing where like. You know, Scooby Doo eats a sandwich, and it, his throat takes the shape of the whole sandwich and goes <laughs> down. And they do that when you know that one ostrich brings all her ostrich girlfriends some fruit, and you know, one's eating a watermelon, one's eating a <laughs> banana, and the banana isn't going down vertically; it's going down horizontally. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. It's like a smile, like that. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think this, this.
0: I think my favorite bit was when the, the hippo's asleep. On the little couch. Yeah. And she pulls her tutu down. And <laughs> it
3: covers nothing. <laughs>
1: and it just goes right back to where it started too. <laughs> That's
3: my favorite little bit. Abby, do you have a favorite part in this? I think definitely the hippos are my favorite. Mm-hmm. but And I have such an appreciation. Because I watched some of the footage. They brought in real ballerinas. To dance the dances oh, of gosh, these animals. Oh. And you can watch them parallel. As the animals are dancing it. As That's they so drew cool. them. And I'm like. That totally is the crocodile doing a backwards whatever, <laughs> like, and wow. the hippos dancing is like these go- these girls doing beautiful yeah. moves, and you can actually see it reflected, and I'm like, oh.
0: I'm going to go first and say that I'm going to put this towards the bottom. I'm going to say, TT, I think your appreciation for Rite of Spring is... Mm-hmm. Um, escalated it a little bit more for me oh, i'm gonna put the dawn of the hours um between um right of spring and the intermission
1: okay hmm. sounds good yeah put put me just above the intermission too for this because i literally felt this always made me fall asleep i don't I, again might have been because i was bored or maybe i was <laughs> tired but
2: i'm gonna put it above the pastoral symphony so like hmm. right about the middle okay
0: Okay, so let's get into the last portion of this movie. The Night on Bald Mountain, Ave Maria. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I said it right this time. Not Ava. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, where do we want to start off with this? TT, do you want to hit us off?
1: Yeah, uh, so... First of all, I want to go into a little bit of the historical aspect of it because the piece is actually really cool history-wise. So it's written by a guy named Modest uh, Mussorgsky in 1867. And so he wrote this as a pretty young guy. The whole theme was about like a witch's Sabbath, which is like like literally a gathering of witches. Um, And he was really proud of it. And he showed his mentor. His mentor was very disappointed in it. And he tried very hard to get this piece to be played, and in his own lifetime, it never got played, not even once. And he wrote this as a young guy, and it wasn't after five years after he died that someone else found his music and was and uh, and he did an arrangement of it, and then it became popular. That's crazy. And then Fantasia put it part, uh, put it in its uh, in the movie, and then it became even more popular. So I mean, Fantasia was only like one step away of helping it become really popular. Um it's so so in that aspect it was really interesting that like this it's like this really creepy, cool piece. Um, you know, the guy never even got to hear anyone play it. It was only in his head the whole time. Wow. So crazy. But uh super spooky. Right. Yeah, I mean, this this was yeah. so scary.
0: They utilize this a lot for Halloween stuff with Disney. Yeah. So
2: mm-hmm. I think it's fantastically scary, but also questionable of when I'm going to let my kid watch this (laughs) for
0: sure yeah Yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch this as a kid I always had to turn it off you know so there I mean (laughs) there's a lot I think we can we can say about this I mean this is this is Satan Mm -hmm. you know one of the one of the things I love is that when he stretches his hands over the village Um his shadows are being his shadows being cast and once his shadows like meet a building, like a tower of some sort, it kinda quivers of in fear. The tower does, and I always thought that was kind of kinda of cool, but you know, and then we see all these like with his presence being made known in the town, we see like the the dead is rising, and you see ghosts and skeletons come and fly up and meet him. It's it's kind of, it's really it's really scary. It's
1: super <laughs> scary. And I was mentioning before, I always fell asleep at the what the Dance of the Hours one with the ostriches and stuff. And so, you know, I didn't really get the chance to watch this one all the other times. So this this most recent viewing which was like two days ago, I was watching it for the first time since I was a little kid and I it really made my blood my blood run cold because I was like, wow, this is really scary. Um and it was in terms of the art was really interesting two with uh, like the, it seemed like the ghosts and the skeletons were like done in like a chalk type mm-hmm. of and you'll probably go more into that that's one thing I noticed that the art was very different for them but like it really the whole thing was just super spooky I think I watched it with my mouth gaping open I think I covered Django's face with my <laughs> hands but yeah go ahead hun.
3: but yeah um, artistic wise this one is awesome uh, it's based on the artwork of Kai Nielsen um, mm-hmm. who is primarily a woodcut Er, woodcutter <laughs> printmaker okay. um, so he would cut these designs of demons and demonic things out of wood and then use ink to press them on the paper through a printing press and all kinds of cool stuff um, but if you look at some of his artwork and then compare it to the short, it's amazing. Like, wow. they literally took his artwork and made it into a movie, which is Crazy. so cool. What a great opportunity for yeah. an artist,
0: you know? Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, I thought it was funny because I guess they had a lot of artistic leeway on this short. And Walt Disney knew it was going to be somewhat dark and spooky, but didn't understand how dark and spooky it was going to be <laughs> until after he saw it. And then he's like... We're just going to keep it. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, in the next short, it kind of transitions into the lighter side. But I still think, like, my favorite part of this one is right towards the end of the short when all of the demons and skeletons and things get wrapped back up into, like, the main Satan figure. Kind mm-hmm. of like in, like, a wave or something. It's yeah. just really visually... Yeah
1: cool oh he doesn't oh he doesn't like it <laughs> he doesn't like oh, it oh he's still so okay.
0: <laughs> oh man yeah and i i think one thing okay first of all i i have to mention this we, we were talking about the breasts <laughs> the the one beforehand oh yeah man they they didn't really. They were like, should we do breasts? And then uh, <laughs> in the previous one, this one, they're like, just go for it. Like, they're, <laughs> they're
1: like, there's no reason a harpy is gonna wear a garland. These, right. You know. Yeah. But for real, and they, they're like, like flying by, and it zooms like it's right there in your face yes. for a quick second. You're shaking your head like, blah, blah, blah. oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing I love is in the end when the when the he's it looks like he's about to do something even more menacing mm-hmm. and then the church you hear the church bell ring
1: mm-hmm. boom, and
0: he kind of quivers a little bit or he kind of withdraws like yeah. and I love that when you see his power kind of deplete mm-hmm. as the town is waking up and as the the church bells are going
3: and all the skeletons like go back into the water mm-hmm. like so peacefully mm-hmm. so cool yeah but And then, I guess, do you consider this the same piece as Ave Maria? Yeah, we will. Okay. Because I think, so awesome. (laughs) And it's also, it blows my mind that that is also Kai Nielsen. So the same guy who draws all the demons and all of the, like, evil demonic figures is known for drawing the opposite and the, like, lighted gardens and temples and things and the lighter side of, you know, Um, like, it's the same guy and they just worked together with the animator Bill Taitler so okay. he helped turn it into a movie for him Jeez. but so so cool and uh
2: i mean if it if i haven't described how this is my favorite one yet
3: yeah. <laughs>
0: Honestly, i don't have any
3: strong fear, feelings about um ave maria so go go yeah. into it definitely my favorite one because i could i just wish it was painted on my wall it's so beautiful number mm. one like without knowing anything about it just watching like the saints with their little lights moving across in the garden of trees is so beautiful. Mm. But after doing some research on it, it makes me love it even more, knowing that for its time, it's still considered one of the longest elaborate single-shot animations. And I had to look up what that meant and try to figure it out over like a course of an hour because it was very confusing. But basically, nine men spent six days and six nights continuously doing this animation and it was a single shot all the way through no
1: way yep
3: just the ave maria scene oh my god! so all of those little 24 cells per second per minute and all that stuff was all strung together on the stage and basically like run around in a circle for six days and six nights until oh it was done gosh. like How cool is that? That's
0: incredible. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even, I don't even think I fully understand.
1: That's
3: what I mean. I don't even quite understand the capacity of that, but it's really cool. Wow.
1: That's so incredible. And also, I always like finding like meaning in things like that, but you know, because so this whole Ave Maria thing is supposed to be, you know, the light aspect of, of, you know, the really terrifying Mm -hmm. uh, piece we had just seen. And, you know, you know, so obviously this is the the heavenly side, like the God side of it. Mm-hmm. And you said that it took, what, six days? And that's, you know, that's creation. Yeah. Six days. Yeah. <laughs> and so that is so, awesome. that is so cool. And at the very end, you've got that big, huge, like, bright sun. Am I right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, mm-hmm. oh, wow. That's so cool because I was just about to say how this was, like, the most boring part for me because (laughs) because we just witnessed something that was so intense and like like i said my blood had run cold and like part of me wishes i would i got to see like you know valkyries like just destroy demons you know i mean with force and you know now looking back on it now i actually have a new appreciation for just that it's like the gentleness that mm-hmm. really sends them all, sends them all away you know mm-hmm. and that is really cool and, so cool and,
0: and when something else is crazy about it is that it just ends yeah. mm-hmm. there's no closing there you don't see the narrator again saying so that was our movie yada yada." you don't see any end credits the movie just ends yeah mm-hmm. and so that's this is such an interesting note to leave it on yeah,
1: you know. I'm imagining when they were showing this way back then in the fir- like the first time they end it, and I'm just imagining like the silence that followed, uh, from the audience, just of, yeah, what did I watch? <laughs> you know, just like let- letting it all sink in, and like perhaps expecting something more, or just really letting everything just sink in of everything they watched. But yeah, mm-hmm, that must have been a cool showing. Yeah,
0: man, can you imagine at that day, that time, that day and age? Yeah. And we're again... Sp- we're spoiled. We are say so kids, spoiled. We are spoiled. Kids nowadays... Yeah, you, it's, it's hard to imagine putting yourself in that day and time. Yeah. What it was like to watch something like this. Mm-hmm. And how big of it was. Because, I mean, prior to this, you had little shorts that were like, you know, seven minutes, five minutes long that had music sequences, but nothing to this scale. Right. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so I am going to go first and and place this. This is my second favorite. So it's going to go right in between the Nutcracker and the Pastoral Symphony. Abby, where where would you put this? Oh,
2: this is my favorite. The
0: very, very top. Yep. (laughs) I figured. (laughs) That's why I left that open. Oh, dang.
1: TT? It was going to go at the bottom, but I mean, I have... The context makes everything a lot more... Um, let's put it, let's put it underneath the Nutcracker. Okay. Um, Because I like it, but I still like many other parts more. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay. So, um, I might edit this part out, the process of us deciding, and then we'll just kind of give the official list at the very end because the process and us talking about it could take some time. All right, so with that, we have come up with our list for the podcast. This is going to be the Extreme Disney official ranking of the shorts within Fantasia. So, Abby, give me a little drum roll. Okay, number eight. We have Intermission as on the very bottom, followed by Dance of the Hours, the Hippos, the Crocodiles, the Ostriches. Number six. This was There was a tie between um, these two, the next two, and we put Sorcerer's Apprentice as number six. So sorry, Mickey, you're towards the bottom. Oof. Number five is Takata and Fugue in D minor. Uh-huh. Did I say that right, TT? You did. Okay, well good. Um, just over the halfway mark, Rite of Spring, the um, the dinosaurs and the, the evolution, sorry, homeschoolers, that is number four. Um, number three is the Pastoral Symphony, the Greek, the um, the gods, all that, and then our number two and number one. Number two went to Night on Bald Mountain mm-hmm. with Ave Maria, and our number one is Nutcracker. I think I have that to me and Abby to thank for that. Nutcracker is my favorite. <laughs> she put that down as her number two. So that is our official ranking of Fantasia. Yay. Um, Guys, any final thoughts about this movie before we wrap this up?
2: Very cool. A lot more appreciation for it after doing my research and realizing what it took to make this movie. So. For
1: sure. I mean, and I think it's worth, um, yeah, looking more into just what you see at its face value, looking at the work that went into the artwork. Um, I learned so much about, the composers mm. and that that honestly a lot of these songs you know come from really dark themes almost all of them have a pretty dark theme to them um and so it's just an interesting interesting that they chose these pieces and it worked really really good mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i would definitely encourage um anyone to watch it as long as the parents are okay with them watching and they're old enough to watch it but Yeah, super great movie.
0: Yeah, um, for me, um, this is probably on my top 10 of favorite Disney movies. Mm, You know, taking into account of all their library. um, As far as the first five Disney movies, which is like their golden era where you have Snow White, then Pinocchio, Fantasia, Dumbo, and Bambi, this is my favorite out of those five. Yeah. Um, I think it was groundbreaking. I feel like... The, the more you realize all the work that went into the synchronization of the music to what you're seeing on the page or on the screen is incredible. And I can't even begin to think about how do you do that to mm-hmm. that level, you know. Yeah. um So it's it's always held a high spot for me. So, yeah, highly regarded amongst the people here. Fantasia. All right, so when we come back, we're going to do our news pieces, which we're going to try to do that pretty quickly. And we'll see you guys in a couple minutes. Okay, so we're back from break. Um, Now, Tyler, I know how you know how this works a little bit um, for when we did this in the first episode, but to remind you and to let you know, Abby, what we're going to do, I'm going to work through these news pieces, anything that's come out in the past week, and then um, from whatever stands out, maybe we'll each just take one thing that we're kind of interested in talking about, and we'll talk about it for just a couple minutes. Sound good? Yep. All right. So, number one due to the recent addition of Hamilton this past week to Disney+, there was a significant bump in app downloads for Disney+. Plus. It shot up to 74%, which wow. is huge. Wow. Number two, it also came out this past week that Hamilton will not be eligible for being nominated at the Oscars. Oh, Number three, we got the first look for the Disney Plus series Rogue Trip this past week. The trailer shows a father and son team as they travel the world. It comes out next week for the second series of Disney Plus where they team up with National Geographic. The first series they did this with uh, was Jeff Goldblum, The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Number four, a trailer came out this past week for the one and only Ivan. This will be a Disney Plus exclusive film and will drop next month, August 14th. It was supposed to come out in theaters, but they're releasing it on Disney Plus due to Corona. It stars Brian Cranston as well as an impressive slate of actors lending their voices to the movie, including Sam Rockwell, Angelina Jolie, Danny DeVito, Helen Mirren, and Philippia Su, who is um, she has become famous since after Hamilton has dropped. Number five, Marvel has put out a casting for a specific character in their Hawkeye series. The character name is Echo. She is a young, deaf, Native American female supervillain. Um, She was originally a character for the Daredevil comics, but we're going to see her on the Disney Plus show with Jeremy Renner called Hawkeye. Number six, Hocus Pocus 2 has some release updates for us due to coronavirus. It hasn't started filming yet, and we won't be able to see it until fall 2021. It was originally supposed to come out this fall in time for Halloween, but they had to push that back a year. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Rick Riordan, creator of the Percy Jackson series of books, came out with some more release updates for the original series based on his young adult novels. He states that while he is working to develop the pilot and the script with the television writers and the developers there, it is a slower process to how it is when he writes books, and this will probably be about two years away before we will be able to see anything from that. Guys, anything that you are interested in talking about?
2: Hmm, I was thinking about the Ivan movie, but... I
0: don't know. And now that what's the Hawkeye news again? That was really interesting. Yeah, so it's a villain that is um in Daredevil in the comics. Um, her name is Echo, and she is a young, deaf Native American villain, um, huh. f- in the comics. So it's going to be some interesting things there. I don't. I am not as familiar with her because I think she's a recent addition hmm. in the last five years or so in comics. So, I'm not as familiar with this character myself, but
2: it' be cool to
0: see her some representation on that show mm-hmm. um as a, as a hero maybe this will this character will start off as a villain, but maybe becomes a hero. I'm not sure, so
2: yeah, I think that's fantastic. I mean, comic
3: books are a huge outlet for the deaf community, I think because you can see the picture and you can read the picture and it's like. You know, I feel like they get left out of a lot of movies in that aspect. Um, So I think that would be kind of cool to see how that plays out. Wow, I never even thought about that before. Mm
0: -hmm. What did you guys think of the trailer of One and Only Ivan?
2: I'm excited. Uh, It made me think of Mighty Joe Young, but not quite as great.
3: (laughs) So I'm hoping that it exceeds my expectations. I'm not a huge fan of talking animals and... Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, but once in a while they make it work. So who knows? What did you think of the Jungle Book and The Lion King?
2: That's a very good point because they did those really well.
3: <laughs> so maybe Disney will pull it off. You know, it mm-hmm. worked in those movies. This movie, just the trailer itself, made it seem a little bit too cheesy. But mm-hmm. you know, they also only showed a few snippets. So. Yeah. Well, I'm.
1: It really it's interesting because I feel like the greatest showman. I get this, like, greatest showman vibe from it. Like, this whole circus mm-hmm. thing is, like, coming back. Like, people are into, like, things about the circus again. Totally down for that. I think that's cool. Um, and Abby, like, Abby loves her primates. Yes. She loves gorillas and chimps. That's true. You're,
0: and, mm-hmm. you're totally into King, King, uh, King Kong.
2: Well, yes. And I also did a lot of primate studies in college. So, <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm very excited about any
3: movie that has apes, chimps, monkeys, all that fun stuff right. in it. So I'm hoping that they do a great job and, you know.
1: Well, and this, oh, excuse you, this gorilla is all about, like, artwork. Art. Which is (laughs) like, oh, wow, it's like you're seems like it could be a dream <laughs> movie but again it's all about the delivery too you know but that that's
2: you, why my expectations are so high so it's I, a gorilla I doing
1: art what are you talking about
2: like, i know i don't know <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm starting to feel like i might have my guest figured out for when i review this movie the podcast. that's all i'm saying right now
2: <laughs> i did have a painting done by an elephant once so you know that's I, they cool. can do some pretty cool stuff and I do like that it's kind of focused around animal rights, it seems like, you know, yeah, not putting
3: animals in a cage and that yeah. kind
0: of thing. So It seems like it's it's going to be interesting to see how they do this, because you can really sense that Brian Cranston's character has a real authentic connection, yeah. kind of as a child, in a, as a father figure. So, which mm-hmm. obviously, conversations around circuses in the last few years with The Greatest Showman, right. with things like Dumbo, you know, there's... There's people who I think are a little bit more like, okay, why would we treat animals this way? So I'm going to be interested to see how this movie handles this, especially yeah. since this is, this is based on real events.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. I'm actually really interested. I guess, you know, based on real events, you can't mess with that too much. Um The thing that threw me off the most was the talking animals because especially, you know, there are real chimps that communicate with sign language. So I was kind of excited thinking, oh, maybe that'll be like, Mm -hmm. you know, their method of communication and we'll show some realistic footage of that kind of thing. But it seems like they're going a different direction. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. So um, that is this week's episode of Extreming Disney. I want to thank Tyler and Abby both for coming on as we broke down the latest news articles, but also fantasia as a movie um anything you guys want to plug and let people know about what <laughs> I, love, I love doing that each week just to see what kind of reaction do you have like a twitter handle or an instagram thing you want to plug abby I uh,
1: no okay <laughs> yeah. follow me on instagram i'll show you my my D miniatures that i paint i'll also show you pictures of my baby and also show pictures of guitars I work on. It's
0: true. <laughs> One thing I do need to plug and I forgot to do this in the last episode of which Tyler was on, he's actually featured in every single episode of Extreming Disney as he wrote the opening music for the podcast
1: i forgot about that so he did that (laughs) as a little special favor to
0: me and so you should also check out anything that like you can people can check out any music of yours tt
1: yeah i've got some stuff on spotify i was doing some music under the name uh summer symphony um and that was maybe about five years ago that was a good time i have some fun fun pieces on there so yeah check it out spotify
0: you know this is what i think we're gonna have to do now we're gonna have to take some of tyler's music I'll create a story around it and you do the art, Abby. We got our own Fantasia.
2: <laughs> oh, we got to come up with a cool name. They're talking about a thousand artists who spent over a year making this. Listen, I'm not ma- doing it you're
0: myself. You're on maternity leave. You got it. You're good. Fantasia. <laughs> pants?
1: Yes. I don't know. <laughs>
0: we got to give it a little bit more time. We got to yeah. take it to, you know, see I'm, what people think
1: of it. I'm really forcing mm-hmm. it. Okay.
0: All right, guys. Thanks again. Yep. Okay, so that's this week's episode of Extreme Disney. I will see you guys next week. But before I do that, before we sign off completely, I need to let you know what we're going to be doing next week, what you need to watch. For next week's episode next week we're going to go into another saturday morning cartoon episode i'm really excited about this i'm going to have my buddy cj campbell come on he is actually a writer he is a poet he's a good friend of mine he was a roommate with me for a little while and so we have a lot of fun catching up talking about things Um, So I asked him to come on and and be my guest for cartoons. So I'm excited about this. So let me tell you which cartoons we're going to be watching. The date is September 24th, 1996. And with that date, we are going to be watching an episode from Spider-Man the Animated Series. The the episode is from Season 3. It's Episode 6. It's titled Sins of the Father, Chapter 6. Framed is what it's called. So um, the episode called Framed. And then um, also we're going to be watching an episode from the animated cartoon of the Mighty Ducks. You might be going, what? The Mighty Ducks had a cartoon? These are space ducks that play hockey. It's crazy. I remember this when I was a kid um, watching this when this was premiering. I thought it was the coolest thing. But now looking back, it's kind of weird, and I'm excited to talk about it. The episode we're going to be talking about is from season one. There was only one season. Episode five, and it's titled "Fill in the Blank. And it's titled, like, the name Phil. So, P-H-I-L in the blank. Okay, guys, um, be watching those episodes before next week. And I'll see you next time on Extreme Disney. Bye-bye.